Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. I'm going to try to get it to you. Last week, I want to thank Mark Thornton for, for speaking last week. He talked about Thanksgiving leading to Thanksgiving. Great, great message. We've been talking about being grateful and the whole atmosphere of a, of a, of a, a, a believer is to be is, is gratefulness and thankfulness and how thankfulness leads to supernatural activity. Did you know that? Thankfulness actually opens a door for God to do supernatural activity. You, you know, we shouldn't be people of complaint. Do you know that the reason why the children of Israel didn't go to the promised land is because they complained all the time? It wasn't for murder. It wasn't for adultery. It wasn't for everything else. It was because they complained. That's why they didn't get to go in the promised land. Let's not be complainers. Let's be those full of thanksgiving and grateful. So the whole atmosphere of this church should be gratefulness. Amen. So we're going to talk about gratefulness in respect to what God has done, what he's doing, and where he's heading. you got to listen to this because this is a thesis. I'm trying to bring everything together today. The problem with most believers is we're, we're myopic people. We look at just one individual thing and we think that's the whole picture. God looks at the whole thing and he's trying to get us to look at, at a bigger vision. Without a vision, the people perish. You've got to see what God is doing. If you don't, if you don't know what God is doing, how do you know what, what God's up to right now? And so we got to know what he has done in the past. So I want to, uh, my message really is heaven's atmosphere on the earth. And we've got to understand how, how heaven is if we're, going to, if we're going to imagine what earth should be like. So stay with me here. Father, bless this. Anoint our ears. Let all distractions be put aside in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I want you to think about heaven for a minute. You think, well, I've never been there, Pastor Ken, so how do I know? Because the Bible tells us so. Imagine heaven. Heaven is the uh, place of peace, joy. It's life of uninterrupted goodness. It's being with Jesus all the time. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's no sickness, no separation, no sorrow. This is all heaven right now. There's no devil, praise God. And there's continual fun and fellowship. Imagine everything you've ever dreamed of being at your fingertips and all of God's grace and goodness surrounding you. Now imagine... Heaven coming to earth and producing that. That's what God says to do. He says, when you pray, say this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you don't know what heaven is, how can you pray heaven into earth? So he says, you got you to understand that. What would it be like if nation after nation, city after city, neighborhood after neighborhood had an experience of heaven on earth? What would happen? Think about it. What if there was so much of God in our culture, there were no jails or juvenile halls? What if, uh, what if there's so much of God that prosperity was everywhere and people were generous with everything? What if our government was so God-filled that they, they had daily preaching and teaching seminars about the kingdom of God? What if our schools were so filled with with the presence of God that the young people would come home with the glory of God all around them, like Moses coming off the mount? What if businesses were built to glorify God? 
and their prophets went to extend the kingdom of God? What if, what if hospitals were a place of genuine healing and health? I was in the NICU this week, and as I, was, as I told you, I was amazed that, man, we should have a ministry team up there. Man, you could be praying for babies all the time, and the, the parents can't be there all the time, and some parents don't get it yet, and they're not there with their, with their children as much as maybe they should be. But what if we had ministry teams that were praying for that, and we were praying heaven down to earth in the hospital, and these little babies came out healed and whole? Come on, what if cancer, diabetes, MS, all diseases were being eradicated? I believe that God wants to break through in that manner. He says, pray heaven out of heaven to earth. That's what he's saying. And so he can produce heaven-sent results. God actually wants to imprint upon our minds and imagination the plans and his will for each one of us. Don't don't get so caught up on the little things of life that you don't understand the big things so you can understand where God's taking you. I think we get caught up in these little tiny issues and, well, the color of the carpet, that's your yucky. Well, what about, I didn't like that song today. Oh, I didn't like this or I didn't like, that guy next to me, he really smelled today. Well, maybe God wants you to have a little, a little love and compassion for people who, who are in need. But think about this. Genesis 15, I've been drawn to that. Uh, This is God speaking to Abraham. It says, then he brought him outside and said, he brought Abraham outside, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to, to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted to him for righteousness. Now, here, here's the issue. God realized that Abraham wasn't getting it in his tent. So God took him outside of the tent in order for him to imagine what God had already done for him and God to speak to him what he was going to do for him. He had to get him outside of his tent. He had to get him outside the lens of his natural life. And everything that he knew, he had to get him out of that. God had to get him out of his tent, out of his comfort zone, so he could look up. Now, in the same way, God is calling you out of your tent He's calling you out of your comfort zone, out of everything you maybe trusted in in your life, out of your self-limitations. And he wants to begin you to begin to imagine what God has for you as well and what heaven is to be on the earth. He's put visions and prophecies and prayers and thoughts and dreams in your heart that, straight, that come straight from heaven. And you're to be the representative to get that done. Jesus then comes along and he says something. He says after this Abrahamic uh, uh, vision, Jesus comes along. He says, you know, and you, this is the first thing you've got to do, and the most important thing you've got to do in your life is seek first his kingdom. Now, I found it interesting lately that, that there's all these uh, video games and uh, video, uh, uh, advertisements on TV, uh, TV about kingdoms and palaces and everything. They're always talking about these kingdoms, and these kingdoms are doing stupid stuff anyway, but... They're, they're doing things, and they're thinking about the kingdom. They're thinking about palaces. They're thinking about that kind of lifestyle. Jesus comes along and says, yeah, I want you to seek first my kingdom. As, now, you have to understand this. A kingdom is not a religion. The priority of mankind should be not to seek a religion. It's to seek a kingdom, the kingdom of God. And the kingdom is the king's domain. It's his dominion, his sovereign rule. The kingdom of God is God's will executed. 
A kingdom is the governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it with his personal will, his purpose and intent, producing a culture, values, morals, and lifestyle that reflect the king's desires. Unfortunately, we even as believers are reflecting the culture's desires and lifestyle. But God says, I want you to seek my kingdom and my righteousness. So the kingdom refers to the governing influence of heaven and earth. And righteousness refers to right alignment with God. So relationship. So you have to understand this. Too many, too many Christians in America, in fact, the word Christian isn't even a really good word, I don't think. We're, we're followers of Christ. We're believers. And we, we're not seeking a religion, but a kingdom. And within the kingdom is a relationship. Every person on earth is seeking for power and meaning and purpose meaning for our existence, and power to control our circumstances and lives. That's what we all tend to, to seek. In religion is man's search for God. Christianity isn't really a religion. We're not seeking for God. God has sought for us. He's the one that chose us. We didn't choose him. Religion is frustrating. You know, you, it's, it, as long as man is still searching and dissatisfied and di- desires for more, he hasn't really found the kingdom. And we're, we're in, in, in searching for religion, we're dedicated to daily preoccupation with, with rituals and, and traditions and forms and activities of religious behavior. Religion preoccupies you in order to distract you from your hunger and emptiness for the kingdom of God. That's why the devil wants you pursuing religion. Religion is designed to keep you so busy to fill all of your assignments to prove that you're a good person that you never seek for the kingdom. Religion is just hard work. Religion is very hard work. But the Bible says, Matthew 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He goes on, talks about all the blessings of the kingdom. But you're never going to rest until you find the kingdom. The church is the instrument of God to help bring us into the knowledge of the kingdom. We're born into the kingdom and added to the church. And the church is the family of God, a group of covenant families that come together to pursue the kingdom. We're here today because we want to pursue the kingdom. And you have to understand, it's it's all in this this original intent of God. Now watch this. Here's God's original plan. You've got to stay with me. I'm going someplace. You've got to stay with me. God's original plan. This was his original plan. God was an artist. He was a builder. God undertook a wonderful building project when he started the, the universe. God's big picture. Now, this is his big picture. you got to catch this. Was to extend his invisible rulership to the visible world. He wanted to extend his heavenly country to another territory. He wanted to establish a colony of heaven on earth. Now, He wanted to establish a manifestation of his heavenly kingdom on earth without coming to earth himself. Therefore, he wanted to extend his heavenly government over the earth, and his plan for accomplishing this was, in a a good way to metaphorize it, was to colonize the earth with heaven. It was an inner realm agenda. In other words, God's plan was to connect the invisible realm of heaven and the invisible realm of earth through bringing his people from heaven to earth through colonization. 
he had to start with citizens sent from heaven named Adam and Eve. Are you with me? So stay with me. So here's God's big picture. He created some beings just like himself. He placed them on the earth and he let them rule it for him as vice regents of his heavenly government. Now God's plans never change and it's, that's still his plan. So he fashioned a physical world that would be a perfect environment to us to fulfill our destiny and our purpose. He even formed us from the dirt and the dust of the earth that we would live on so we would become familiar with it. That's why he didn't send angels. He brought us. We're of dust, just like the earth. Psalms 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in the world and all who live in it, for he founded upon the seas and established upon the waters. Because God owns the earth, he can do with it however he pleases. And it pleased him to give it to man. Watch this, Psalms 115, 16. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. Stay with me. God didn't relinquish his ownership over earth. We possess the earth as a trust and as stewards, as kings under the high king of heaven. So we, we, we own nothing, but we have access to everything. Oh. So we are a colony of heaven on earth. When you're birthed into the kingdom, that's what you're birthed into, you're birthed into the colony of heaven on earth. And our presence on earth was a colonial decision by our king. He created this planet as a new territory, fashioned us out of the same material, planted us here, and issued our charter giving us dominion, which is uh, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, be fruitful and multiply and take dominion. That's our charter. Once we understand what God intended, we will understand what God is doing right now. If you do not understand what God has done, you will wander and waver, and God will never be who he wants to be in your life. Gotta catch this. Oh. So what, what happens is a colony is populated by people who originally came from another place. It's an outpost inhabited by citizens of a faraway country. Their allegiance remains with their home government and, and who settle in a distant land but remain subject to the parent country. Colonization involves citizens of one country inhabiting foreign territory for the purpose of influencing that domain with the culture and values of their native country and governing it with the laws of their home government. Whoa, that was a mouthful. In other words, you have been delegated to bring the values and the word of heaven to earth. You are a colony from heaven. So, Jesus comes along. His mission statement, he just he threw it out. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and has arrived. So he's saying the first colony of heaven had returned to the earth through him. In other words, it had been given up under Adam and Eve, but Jesus came to return the earth's rightful charter to his rightful people. Uh, uh. Yes. Now, Paul was in the same way. He was a first, first century ambassador. He, he preached these things as well. 
But what happened is God wanted to show the spiritual powers of darkness how beings created in his own image could be planted on the earth and bring in the government and culture of heaven. That's us. So what had man, when Adam and Eve fell, what did man lose? A kingdom, not a religion. So when Jesus returns, what does he bring back? A kingdom, not a religion. Now, we don't understand kingdoms because we're, we're uh, you know, we're, we're a democratic republic, constitutional republic. We vote people in and they do a, you know, the reason why they're not, kingdoms don't work on earth, because power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Because men don't do a good job of being king. However, in the spiritual sense, oh, I'd better not get into this. I'll get on a side tributary here. But you're meant to be a king and a, and a priest. So I'll, I'll have to describe that maybe a little later. So God comes along, and through Jesus, he wants to restore. He sets out to restore a kingdom. you you got to understand, you didn't just get birthed into the kingdom of God so you go to heaven. For Pete's sake, what, what use is that? You are an ambassador, a delegated representative from heaven to bring heaven's values to earth. And if, if you catch that, it will mean everything. Your priorities all change. You don't just, oh, and I hope I make it through the week. Praise God. No, you have authority given to you from heaven. You can only make it through the week. You overcome. And so Jesus comes. And he says, repent or change your mind. Change your mind for the kingdom of God is here. He says, change your way of thinking. The kingdom of heaven is here. I brought it with me. Praise God. So he brought the promise of restoring the kingdom and dominion over the earth that Adam and Eve had lost. Now, Jesus, he, he had to come. You all know this. We celebrate this. And, but we don't, I don't think we understand the whole contextual side of this. When Jesus came, he died on the cross. His blood was spilled. And we think, praise God, he died for my sins. Hallelujah. No, it's, it's and I'm not trying to put that down because that's our entrance. That's wonderful. But that's just the start. You see, it's the entrance. It's the entrance into the kingdom with all that I'm trying to explain to you today. And so what happens, Jesus' death on the cross paid the price for us. So the cross is the doorway that gets us back into the kingdom. The cross is all about kingdom restoration. It's about restoration of power and authority. It's about regaining rulership, not religion. You know what I think? I think we're going to have, we're going to see, we're, there's going to be a cross in heaven that we will see at all times. I think there will be a cross in heaven. It will, it will remind us of who we are. So God sends his son on the earth to restore us to full rights. Now, this is interesting. Stay with me here. The king of heaven wants to restore us to our full rights as sons and daughters of the king. In other words, the king of heaven wants sons and daughters, not servants and slaves. Religion produces slaves. Jesus came that we might have received the full rights as sons and daughters. That's legal language. you got to understand, this Bible is not just a nice devotional. It is a constitution. It has your charter. It has the, 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 the beginning. It has the end. It tells us where we're going. It tells us what God did. 
And I'm trying to describe that to you today as we, as we see this. So Jesus comes to give us back our legal rights and entitlements. That's why you are born again. That gives you right to the legal entitlements of heaven. Oh, man, I wish I could just, oh, God, open our heads to this. This is powerful. And once you get it in you, so sonship is our right by creation. Christ didn't die to improve us. He came to renew us, to buy us back and give us our title as sons and daughters. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We are sons and the daughters of the King legally. Legally. God's purpose was to, was to establish a commonwealth of citizens. You still with me? We're not members of a religion. You know, people are... Always talking about religion, etc. Too many Christians are simply religious people. But we are citizens of the kingdom. That's our legal right and virtue of a spiritual birth. Religious people have no rights. Legal citizens do. That's why I find it fascinating right now. In the natural, in America, there's this fight over citizenship. I'm looking at spiritually... And there's a fight over your citizenship. The devil says, you don't have a right to it. God says, no, once you're, once you're born again, you have an entitlement of a son and a daughter. Wow. With everything that goes with it, all its inheritance and, and being, being an heir. So now watch, listen, listen to me carefully. So in seeking first the kingdom, we then become the king's ambassadors. This is getting so good. What do ambassadors do? They speak the words of the king. They're concerned with only the interests of the king. They speak only on behalf of the king's government. They maintain connection and communication with the king. They carry out the policies established by the king. And in that realm, the ambassador's opinion does not matter. In the world of human diplomacy, an ambassador never shares his opinion. It is completely improper for an ambassador to express his personal opinion while acting in an official capacity. An ambassador simply communicates the position of his government regardless of his personal views. And the same is true in the kingdom of God. Your opinion does not matter. In fact, if your opinion differs from the word of God, you better change your opinion. And you better not be sharing your opinion. Woo! Woo! So, this is, and ambassadors, if you, if you understand ambassadors, we have an um, embassy row in Washington, D.C., where all these ambassador homes are. And we, I go by there. All, I know, you know, we almost have, a, have them all memorized. But an ambassador's home government provides him with everything he needs to live and perform his official function. Office, home, car, staff, funding, etc. In fact, the embassy of the country actually belongs to the country. That land, the land, the embassy of Kenya belongs to Kenya. Did you know that? 
once you go on that, that sovereign land to that nation. Your being is sovereign land on the earth. And God wants to provide everything you need to be an ambassador. As you seek God's kingdom and his righteousness, he will supply everything we need for daily living and accomplishing his will as his ambassador. If we handle the king's business, he will handle our business. Oh, this is so good. Now, I, I got to close in 15 minutes. Can I do it? Yes, in Jesus' name. Uh, you have been trained to look forward to heaven. And I think that's all well and good. But it's actually not our ultimate reward. God created the earth for people to live on. He's so committed to this planet. Chris tells you this all the time. If you haven't gotten this yet, shame on you. He's telling you all the time that God isn't going to send the earth into the dumpster file, you know, the, the, the universal dumpster file. Because even when, even when the, 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 the earth that we know finalizes, God, the Bible says he's going to recreate the earth. There's going to be a new earth and a new heaven. He, he's going to give it to us. He's going to give you a new body, a new physical body. You will reign in the earth forever. Uh, he wants you to practice rulership and exercise dominion over this territory called earth right now because he's going to give us territory in the future. Now listen to this. Jesus came to actually retrain mankind for kingdom ruling and leadership. That's one of the main reasons why Jesus came. As royalty, because we're kings and priests, as royalty, we don't just step into, into the role without preparation. you got to be trained. Do you know Prince William and Prince Harry? When they were little children, they were actually being trained by tutors how to be, how to be uh, 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 kings, how to be princes, how to act royally. When they get married, the same thing is true. The, the, the wives are then assigned tutors that they will train them in royal things. Guess what? We are turned over to the Holy Spirit as our tutor to train us in royal things. We need him, him because our minds are corrupt. We spend our entire lives living in slave quarters. We, we don't just change overnight. God wants to change your mind. That's why Romans 12:1 says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is your soul. And one thing God wants to teach us is, is, as royalty is how to stand in authority and to handle troubles and difficulties. As royal children, we need to learn how to take charge of our circumstances let not, and not let circumstances take charge of us. We've been so out of touch with home for so long that we've lost sight not only of our identity, but of our destiny. Boy, that was good. And Jesus came to reclaim both of those for us. Okay, turning pages, don't have enough time. So, watch me. So, we started a series on gratefulness. Thankfulness and gratefulness creates an atmosphere where kingdom of God delegates and ambassadors can live. If you complain, you actually move out of the kingdom of God thought process. Now think about this. If you're not, if you're not retrained, you know what happens? You're like a football player trying to play basketball. That'd be strange, Scott. So you go onto the basketball court and think, oh, yeah, I'm going to tackle them. So as soon as the ball comes from out of bounds, you're running, you're going to tackle them. 
And the guy, you tackle somebody, the guy says, what are you doing? I'm playing football. This isn't football. You're to be retrained into kingdom thinking. Because you don't get it. I don't get it. Does that make sense? So Jesus comes to retrain us and to get us ready. Now, we have the atmosphere of gratefulness. And then what God wants, he says, when you pray, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have to create an atmosphere for ambassadors to live in. You have to create an atmosphere. Well, what is that atmosphere? What, 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 you know, how, how are we to live as ambassadors in a, in a fallen world? Well, our Western culture and civilization has trained us to live by our rational mind, our reasoning, our feelings, by science. So, oh, I feel this way, Pastor Ken. So? So what? Feelings is the way the Greek world taught you. The kingdom of God wants you to not feel, but faith. You faith it. Watch this. Dr. Dr. Cho calls this atmosphere that we're talking about the fourth dimension. He has a book called The Fourth Dimension. Dr. Cho is the pastor of the largest church in the world in Korea. And he says we must become stewards and experts of the fourth dimension. Arnold Toynbee says man has been a dazzling success in the field of intellect and know-how, but a dismal failure in the things of the spirit. Albert Schweitzer said this, without a moral factor or foundation, all human endeavors, scientific inventions, cultures, and civilization itself will be doomed to decline and corruption. The church in America representing the kingdom of God is what made this country great. And the Holy Spirit desires to bring the Christian into familiarity with a new dimension of the spirit. Christianity cannot be a sterile theological exercise. It must be heaven coming down to earth in exponential supernatural form. It must be a vitally impacting supernatural relationship with Jesus. It must be seen through the prism of supernatural experiences. Supernatural experiences should be the norm, not the exception in the kingdom of God. We must have a daily, vital, powerful relationship with the Holy Spirit. So what does this all mean? It means we got to get back to the fourth dimension. we got to get back to the spirit-filled atmosphere that the church is to dwell in and live in. Hebrews 11.1 1 says it this way. It's faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. In other words, God's word created it. Hebrews eleven six. but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. For whatever is not from faith is sin. You can actually put in atmosphere there if you want. The just shall live by atmosphere or faith. Now, 1 John 5, 4, one of my favorite scriptures, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. The word victory there. An American company stole it out of the Bible. It's the word Nikao, Nike. They stole it. It means to have victory, to overcome. And it's a Greek word. It's in the Bible. And it says that when we have faith, we overcome and have victory. When we build the atmosphere of faith, something happens where God can work. God cannot work outside of an atmosphere of faith. And that's when we build it, heaven begins to come down to earth. Come on, that's what it's all about. And Romans 10, 8 says, The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess through your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
First Peter 1 Peter 1.23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. In other words, the word of God is the key. Ephesians 3.20 says, this is the attitude we have to have at all time. This is the atmosphere we're building. God is able to do super abundantly, far above and uh, over and above, all that we dare ask or think, inf- infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. In other words, God has given us atomic bomb power and we live firecracker lives. We never tap into his tremendous resources because we haven't built that atmosphere of faith that is necessary for God's ambassadors to live victoriously in Nike, in Nacao. So what's the key to this? Matthew 9, 20, 29 says, according to your faith, let it be done. That's my favorite scripture. According to your faith, let it be done. It's, in other words, it's the law of expectations. It's, it's, it's expectation. Mark eleven twenty two 22 says, have faith in God for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Have you ever noticed? Oh man. Oh, give me a break here. Have you ever noticed that when we come to church, it's everything about our mouth? We sing, we worship, we testify, we prophesy, we preach, we speak to each other, we pray for each other. Everything, whatever you say, because you're made in the image of God. And those people who are made in the image of God are ambassadors from heaven to earth. Whenever you say things to people from heaven, it brings life because God spoke everything into existence. When you speak, because you're an ambassador from heaven, you speak things into existence in the atmosphere and in person's life. That's why prayers never die. Those prayers for our nation are still out there. Oh, we, we just keep adding to it. And then Revelation says, once you get it deep enough and the bowl's full, it'll pour over in blessing. The negative side is that if we put too much in the bowl of iniquity, it'll flow over. Just a few thoughts. Are you with me? I'm just about done. So, everything in the kingdom of God is is about faith. It's about this atmosphere. It's the currency of the kingdom. Faith is an eye to see the invisible, an ear to hear the inaudible, and a hand to touch the intangible. Faith is a muscle. has to grow. It's the reality of faith. Scriptures are full of experiences between God and man, and it all has to do with faith. Abraham. He he was told to leave his country and his father's house. He went out where he did not know. 75 years of age and God is telling this guy to start over? What kind of a God are you? A God of faith. A God who's built an atmosphere. Hebrews 11a, he went out and not knowing where he went. You see, our radical journey today takes us into a journey of faith, developing an atmosphere of faith that will then be able to handle supernatural life. I'm telling you right now, the reason why the church is not into supernatural things is we have not operated in great faith. Think about this. Now, uh, who is the guy in Charlie Brown that he takes his blanket and he... Isn't it Pigpen? It's Linus? Okay, Linus goes around and he has this cloud around him all the time. That's Pigpen. I told you that was Pigpen. 
He has this cloud about him all the time. He's walking. It's kind of not the best illustration, but what would happen if everyone in this room built an atmosphere of faith around you? Wherever you went, and you just, you know, I, I sneak up to Nick and we have our faith cloud around us and we just encourage each other in our faith. What if all of us then would come back to church with our faith atmosphere? If, if one can put a thousand, two could put 10,000, a thousand of us could put whatever to flight and there would be supernatural activity all the time. That, that's what I think God's waiting for. A congregation, a, belie- a believing community who will say, you know, we're going to build faith and we're going to do it together and we're going to see what God does. Instead of, de- de- you know, discouraging each other, we build up each other. We actually establish this, this uh, faith because faith pleases God. It moves God to action. It's an attitude or confidence of the heart. Faith is knowing something no one else knows. Faith is the currency of heaven. Let me give you these five things as we close. Faith is inextricably linked with the Word of God. The source of your faith is the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You know, that's why I, I'm, a, I'm a proponent of reading God's Word out loud. I, I really, uh, Saxon, is this not true when we have men's prayer? What do I have you guys do? You, you open up the Bible and you read Scripture out loud, all of us together. And we're not even reading the same. Isn't this right, Roger? We're not even reading the same chapter, but something happens in the atmosphere. Because you're putting the word in the atmosphere and the logos all of a sudden becomes rhema because you've said it and it's, it starts activating because by, the Bible says God's word is active and alive. So if we get it out of our mouths into the atmosphere it's inextricably linked with the Word of God. So all of a sudden, faith, faith will come into you. You can't tackle today's challenges with yesterday's faith. You have to have replenished faith daily. Secondly, faith is the master key that unlocks all of heaven's doors. John 16, 24, asking you, where is it? James 4, 2, you have not because you ask not. And I can go on and on. Next, faith is a substance. It's actually a substance. Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is actually something. It's confidence. It's, it's, it's assurance. It's, it's a title deed. It's, it's tangible in the spirit. I like this one. The next one is faith is a time thief. This is what faith does. Faith travels through time into the future, and it feels the experience of a yet future event. It feels that event in the now. It is not just pretending it's there. But it, know, it knows it's there because God's word has revealed it being there. And it is the substance of that experience. Faith is the substance of that thing. And it, it actually experiences that thing existing within your heart right now. You, you, you ever know that you, you, you just know something? You have a knower. That's in your soul. It's your knower. God, see, God lives beyond time. God, time is a created thing. But God lives beyond time. He's not limited by time and space. Faith locates us with God in the timeless world of eternity. Your faith goes outside of time and it contacts God and it reels in and and brings that faith experience, that substance back to you. Wow. I don't know. I like this. It's like an umbilical cord. It's connected from your spirit to your prayer request.
Next, faith is an additional sense to our five senses. It says this in the Amplified, faith perceives as a reality what is not revealed to the five senses. Faith is like, like having an additional spiritual sense. It comes straight from the Word of God. It's an inner substance, an inner reality. You wonder, wonder why a hen sits on an unhatched egg for 21 days before it's hatched? If a bird with the brain of the size of a pea can figure out that it has to stay with the object even though there's no seeming change, shouldn't we? Hebrews 11.3, the things that are seen are made of things which do not appear. Last one, I close with this. Faith is an evidence of things not seen. Faith demands a willingness to give up what we can see for what we can't see. Just because we don't see it does not mean it's not there. True followers of Christ are those who are willing to forsake the known for the unknown. And Peter was the one disciple that got it. Think about that. And he's the one disciple. Matthew 14, 28. Uh, it says that Peter said, Lord, if, it re- if it's really you, then command me to come out in the water. Now, what, why did he say that? He knew that faith was a substance. And that God's command, Jesus' command, was actually a substance. It was a skateboard out there in the middle of the water. All he had to do was step on it. Now, if Jesus hadn't commanded him to come, better not go. Because it's not faith, it's presumption. But when God says go, you jump out there. Now, the only time he had trouble is when he, oh, he doubted. He doubted and didn't, didn't believe God's word. We need to stand on God's word and see what he has to say. Jesus said, come, and that word carries all the power of heaven. Faith for every storm, courage for every conflict. Are you willing to step out on something without sight with a word like come? Let me end with this story. John Patton and his wife were missionaries in the New Hebrides Islands. One night, hostile natives surrounded the mission headquarters intent on burning the Pattons out and killing them both, both of them. So Pat and his wife prayed all night, asking God to strengthen their faith. And at dawn, they were amazed to see that their attackers had simply turned and left. A year later, the chief of that tribe became a Christian. Patton asked him what had kept him and his men from killing them that night. The chief answered with a question, well, who are all those men who you had with you there? Patton answered, well, there was no one. My wife and I were all alone. The chief said, no. We saw hundreds of men standing guard, big men in shining garments with drawn swords. Sounds like angels to me. You see, we got to start living in the invisible, living in another realm, because we got to start praying heaven out to earth. And we got to start, you know, you're an ambassador. You have power within. It's not just for me. It's for each one of us to experience God's power and his grace and his glory. Can you say amen? Did you catch this? Would you bow your heads?